0: Welcome to the Matthew Moran Podcast. Here you will find a series of in depth conversations with the world's best nature photographers, filmmakers, conservationists, editors, writers, and publishers. You will get an insight into the lives of creative professionals and industry experts, what goes on in their minds, how they approach their work, and how they make it pay. The podcast also looks at the role that photography and filmmaking plays in helping to raise awareness about the global plight of species. And despite the depressing statistics, we look for solutions of what we can all do to contribute to conservation. All my guests give up their precious time and are incredibly generous of spirit. So this is my chance to share these conversations with you. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Today is a podcast special where we focus exclusively on a very special and important photographic book. Published in November 2020, the book is entitled Hidden, Animals in the Anthropocene. It is an unflinching book of photography documenting our relationship with non-human animals in the 21st century. It focuses on the invisible animals in our lives, those with whom we have a close relationship and yet fail to see. They are the animals we eat, the animals we wear, They are the animals used in research for entertainment, as well as the animals we sacrifice in the name of tradition and religion. This book is epic, it's huge, and packs a punch right from the off. But it's not sanctimonious, nor there to wag the finger, but rather start a conversation, or continue a conversation, which is coming to the fore in so many guises about our relationships with animals. And it is my great pleasure to have Joanne MacArthur and Keith Wilson, co-editors of the book, To talk in depth about the birth of the idea, the monumentous task of selecting the contributing photographers, to the unenviable task of editing all their work. Joe and Keith are both previous guests on the podcast, so if you want to learn more about them individually you can find them on the podcast page on my website. And I'll remind you all about this at the end of the show, but you can order copies of Hidden direct from We Animals Media. Go to the link in the write-up on the podcast page and act fast, the first print run sold out in a matter of weeks. And I've got a good feeling that the second print one's gonna do the same. All right, that's enough for me. On with the show. Welcome back, Keith and Joe. This is um well, this is really exciting for me to have you both back on the podcast. I've got 26 now under my belt, and I've you know toyed with the idea of what point can you previous guests back on the podcast when is that credible you know do you have to do 50 or 100 um but yeah as I've mentioned before anyone who's interested in you both individually are just going to have to go back and um listen to your individual podcasts Keith you were my second guest four years ago God, it's Joe, long. This, <laughs> I know it's a long time huh yeah. and Joe you were this time last year we were um or just a little bit before, sitting in my studio talking about the early days of of Hidden and um and now you're back and the book's been published and well it's must be such a thrill after so much work for you to you know have the copy, see it in your hands, see it getting the response it's it's getting. Um but yeah, this is the reason why we're all here. A very special reason to talk about this book. Um and, uh, first of all, I just want to say congratulations. I've got my copy and, um, it's, uh, well, it's quite an amazing piece of work. So, um, yeah, you both should be really proud. It's a, a really incredible piece of work. And before I forget, because this is very important and very hot off the press, another congratulations to Joe for winning in the nature photographer of the year. That must've been uh, a nice piece of news recently.
1: There's so much going on right now. It's a really nice end of the year. I remember taking that picture and feeling like it was something really special. And this award uh, seems to agree with that. It's a it's a kangaroo in a burned eucalyptus plantation, and it's called Hope in a Burned Forest. Uh, it's a very sad image, but also poignant and hopeful. Uh, I'm glad it's resonating with people.
0: Yeah, it's re- really yeah, really it's fantastic. Yeah, congratulations. Um,
1: hey, Matt, you mentioned, it- you mentioned we were sitting here, you and I, a year ago in your studio, but we had also spent the day in the cold photographing Animal Rebellion and Extinction Rebellion together.
0: That's right. I mean, what a difference a year makes. Who would have known what was just round the corner? We had our freedom back then, didn't we, to ride on the tube and go out and photograph and go and get food from the shops, not wearing masks, the the good old days. Um, just a crazy, crazy year. Um, but well, what a, also a good, great show of resilience because well, we, we can talk a little bit later about the crowdfunder that you, that you started for the book, didn't put you off a, a pandemic, didn't put you off, uh, your schedule, which was really, really good. Um, but first of all, I just wanted to start off, uh, by talking about. The book's title hidden animals in the Anthropocene and and how you came about that, because I know from my own experience, whenever I talk to other bookmakers, finding the title is one of the hardest things Mm -hmm. um, with bookmaking. So yeah, can you talk a bit about how you came to that decision?
1: Yeah, I know exactly how this could go. I can answer the first part and Keith can answer the second (laughs) part. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I I had thought of this the idea of this book many years ago and my working title was always animals in the anthropocene the anthropocene is the proposed name for the current geologic epoch and um everyone said there's no way you can have a title like that people don't know what that word is it's too long it's not catchy big no and so keith and i were hemming and hawing over titles for a long time until
2: until of course our very astute designer, David Griffin, came up with the title of Hidden. And, um, you know, it was perfect. It's a perfect word. It's short um, and absolutely describes to a T the status of all the animals um, that are featured between the covers of this book, particularly those in industrial farming situations, but also transport. But the whole issue itself, you know, we do our best to hide it from our view or try and deny that these things are going on or that we are in some way complicit and so hidden just was perfect and you know from an editor's perspective I I also thought yeah it's good because when something's hidden it's usually kept in darkness as well and a lot of the pictures in the book because of the circumstances and the situation are shot in in darkness or in very low light situations and uh, so it it was the perfect title and uh yeah hats off to david griffin for coming up with what i think was the perfect word
1: and i had never it had never occurred to me that the working title could simply be the subtitle hello (laughs) (laughs)
0: there
1: there we have it everyone's happy yeah
0: exactly that's exactly one of the the big big advantages collaborating right and sharing ideas i think you know especially with with your work i know from speaking to you before Joe, we spend so much time on our own, don't we? In our in our own world. And and that's also because of the nature of the work. It's difficult to do it in big, big teams, um, especially when you're going on covert missions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same when it comes to ideas and what we're going to do with our work and how we're going to get it out there, whether that's a book or, or with video or social media is just talking to people and bouncing ideas. And yeah, sometimes it's staring you right in the face, but I agree. It's what a great title. And to encapsulate that in, in one word is, is perfect. Joe, you meant, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, You mentioned um, that you'd had this idea for a long time. Like how long?
1: (laughs) Since I had seen James Noctway's book, Inferno, which is a tome, a massive compilation of what we do to one another as humans, civil war and genocide and famines. And it was just this unflinching document. And I remember being uh, in complete awe of this body of work and knowing that I wanted to do something like this, but for animals. And it uh, took a while to do. I... I, I made other books in the meantime, but this this idea never left me. And then the idea grew stronger when I realized that it would be a stronger book if, it, if there were many contributors. And it would be a stronger book still if I had some fantastic collaborators. So I had seen what Brody Oshinsky and Keith had done with Photographers Against Wildlife Crime. And I, I absolutely knew that I wanted to team up with, with them. And I did team up, team up with both of them because Britta ended up um, influencing and working on the book quite heavily as well. And we invited David Griffin who worked on photographers against wildlife crime or Keith, rather you invited him and uh, one of us invited him, (laughs) but he said, yes. And all of a sudden (laughs) we had this, we had this dream team and we needed funding for the dream team. So I think that uh, that's a whole other story, (laughs) a successful one.
0: yeah that's awesome and and that's you know, that that was one of my questions i think it's you know when you're talking about a book um and particularly to an audience of you know obviously a big portion of my audience of photographers but also designers writers editors publishers and i think people are also interested in how these books get made and how much they cost and all the decisions behind the size um the huh. format and you've got all of these parameters and issues around you know how the images fall on the page but one of the things that well the biggest thing when you open up this book first of all it's huge and when it when it arrived when my book arrived you know the packaging was huge i'm like <laughs> wow this is you know this is really o- already making a big impression um but that's certainly you know you mentioned tome it really feels like that it's a a, a heavy book It seems like no expense spared. And I know from making my own books, one of the key elements when you're going to have to ship these around the world, it's kind of really boring, but it's the cost of of postage. So you guys must have spent a hell of a lot (laughs) sending these things around the world.
1: Yeah, that's actually a nightmare those costs. But uh maybe we'll just skip that painful topic, Shall we?
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, that's a good idea. That's not a good thing it to do. It is focus. it is a nightmare, <laughs> particularly when, particularly when you're
2: talking of you know a big substantial heavy book like Hidden, you know, once you go over that two kilogram threshold at the post office, um, you enter a whole new <laughs> new level of expense. And you know, I've worked with, you know, as you know, I've worked with a lot of photographers um, you know, to to produce their books, publish their books. And it, it's amazing how many uh, seem to, even though you you breach the subject quite early with them about the cost of distribution, make sure you factor that in. That sort of gets ignored until much, much later.
0: <laughs> and then suddenly they realise,
2: oh, my God, it, it, it costs a hell of a lot to send all these copies out. You know, it can cost more than actually printing the book, depending on obviously on how many yeah. you, you are printing. And um so, you know, as a project manager at Stroke Editor, I also, you know, I'm always keeping an eye on what I think the weight of the book is going to be, When, especially when they, you know, someone's wanting to put in more pages or go to a bigger format, this sort of thing. You're immediately in your head trying to work out, okay, how many more grams is this adding up to? <laughs> am, am I getting close to this two kilo? Um, Are you...
0: Basically saying, Keith, that this is all Joe's fault. That's well, what no, I'm not hearing. Not at, <laughs> not at all, not at all. No, I've,
2: I've had this experience quite a number of times before. Obviously, Joe and I got together to work on Hidden. And the, the thing that Joe made very clear right from the beginning was that, you know, she wanted a book that would match Natchway's Inferno, Salgado's Workers in terms of scale and dimension. And you know, and she said, and you know a five pound book, you know, because obviously over in Canada they're still on imperial measures. Yeah. Um, she didn't mean one costing five pounds um, but uh, so you know it was very clear right from the beginning that you know we we wanted a book of scale, so that did mean, okay, we're got to bite the bullet on this." And, uh, and that's what we've produced. It's, it, you know, and to hear your reaction, Matt, to, you know, the size of the box and then the book itself, <laughs> you know, it's just in a way now looking back on all this, it's sort of, it's music to our ears because, you know, if it's making that sort of impression on everyone that we know we have succeeded.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a difficult, um, process, to try and make money from a book that's, you know, especially a self published book. There's, there are so many costs involved. There are so many hidden, um, terrible pun, but that <laughs> it's, um, I think a lot of people just, just don't realize that, but if you can come out of this, you know, ha- having it paid for, I mean, I don't know about you, Joe, but I, I don't set out to make loads of money. You can't make loads of oh. money unless you are, unless you're JK Rowling or, you know, <laughs> Julia Donaldson, but, it's um yeah i think if you th- there are always compromises there are always these parameters that say okay yeah we you have to make this compromise for for the good of the book but i think knowing that that was your dream and you've also been through the process publishing was it two two books you published before isn't it
1: published by lantern um right, this one okay. was self-published yeah
0: yeah so um so, so, going through that and having that no expense spared approach, I think I'm sure most people would have reacted like me and I think another thing that I was really interested to talk to you both about is um, you know, when opening the book it's it's a it's a very weird feeling that i that I got, which is one of wow, this is like beautiful, but also terrifying, and you know, I had that. Just the first few spreads, you know, you just go straight in full bleed, double page spread images, and I have that pit of my stomach feeling. And you know, I've made no secret; I don't have to. I've been vegan for eight years, and I've watched the videos, I've read all the data. It doesn't get any easier looking at this stuff, but at the same time, there's a a real kind of beauty and quality to the book that that makes it. <laughs> Uh, well yeah exactly that it's a beautiful product but with very harrowing content and how much of that was uh intended in in when when you set out to do this do you
2: want keith? to go first joe or shall i <laughs> no you go you go ahead
1: keith you, this is for both of <laughs> us but you you take this one
2: okay um i think that was very much the intention um because a lot a lot of the photographers even though they're um you know, sometimes they work together as well. You know, uh, when they're documenting things like um, going on investigations in factory farms and things, fur farms, that sort of thing. But they have, there are, they do have some quite different styles as well. And there was uh, some photographers I noticed, you know, looking at their styles. Um, that you, uh, was it Stefano Bellacki is one that comes to mind, and he's, and when you um, speak to him or read. What his influences are, he's very much influenced by Renaissance style style lighting, and that comes through in a lot of his images. And they are they are, as you say, they're beautiful to look at. And of course, you want that um, because there's sort of like, um, despite the horrors of you know what's going to happen, because every every animal that's featured in this book, pretty much every animal that's featured in this book, it, it is now dead, or is, you know, is going is going to die or is dying, as you see in some of the photographs. And yet there's, um, in some images, there is a real sort of like uh, painterly quality about some of them. There's a very high artistic aesthetic. And um, so, that, you know, I was conscious of that. You know, we, we did want this to be, as you say, beautiful to look at, even though it's harrowing the subject, it, whereas, you know, if it had been sort of like too explicit to... Too graphic, too bright, and um, it just it would have stopped the engagement between the viewer and the book, and in which case we wouldn't be fulfilling our our objective, which is to get people, whether they're knowledgeable about the subject or not, but is to is to really engage with the, every picture on the page, and that so that was certainly yeah, at the forefront of my mind, you know, when going through the whole editing process.
1: If if I can add there that that was a mammoth editing process. We had (laughs) thousands upon (laughs) thousands of images to go through And I was very attached to many of them, but Keith and I continued to agree when we landed on those absolute brilliant images, we felt that they needed two pages. They needed to be across two pages over and over and over. Now it's a 320 page book and it could have had a thousand images in it, absolutely. But that's not uh, the impact that we wanted to make. I think this makes a greater impact. Unfortunately, it means that, you know, many images had to hit the editing room floor uh, I shed a few tears over that. Absolutely. Keith, <laughs> Keith can probably like my whining is probably still reverberating in his ear. Like, come on, please, <laughs> no, no, no. please not this one. We have to keep this one. Um, but, but, you know, we, we had to pick the strongest of images and I have to credit Keith for doing that very heavy lifting at the end. Once we had whittled down you know, we had whittled down to maybe 1,500 or 1,000 images. And then Keith had to uh, do that last leg of making a colossally uh, fantastic narrative, which which he did.
0: It's amazing. And I think, <clears throat> Keith, you talked a bit about just what what you were doing there and, you know, whittling thousands and thousands of images down. And I think for those who don't know, could you talk a little bit more about the role of an editor in this book? Because you know, Gosh. kind of as Joe said, you know, why do you need an editor? Like photographers know what a good image is and what a bad no, they image don't. Is, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Joe, the, the, you know, the, the probably the most important
2: word that uh, there that Joe just used is narrative, and you know, when you're doing a, a book or or a portfolio, for for instance, I'll how, hope helping one photographer just recently with their uh, submission for Wildlife Photographer of the Year for the for photojournalism. And, um, you know, the, the point is, you know, whether it's 10 images, as in that case, or just over 200, as we have in the case of Hidden, uh, though it, it is about telling a story. Okay, you have pictures that, you know, the story is complete within those four frames of, of, um, of the single image, but then... Um, there are others which are, you know, a sequence, and um, so it's a it, it's a case that you've you've got to look for something where there is obviously a narrative going on, whether it, it's on its standing on its own or whether it's part of a sequence. And we had mixtures of both in in editing hidden, and you see that. Uh, in the book as well you know there are some where there are obvious sequences and they're grouped together Um, and then the others as Joe says you know the you know the DPS as double page spread I should say the uninitiated um, you know bleeds uh, so as big as you can possibly use them and uh, so it, it is storytelling it's it's very journalistic and personally that's something that you know, as an editor, as a photo editor, that I'm particularly strong, uh, have strong feelings about. That's what really sort of excites me most. Um, And, um, you know, so I've been obviously doing that sort of thing for quite a while now, and um, I never tire of it. But And it's when you get a subject like this, when someone like Joanne comes and gives you this extraordinary chance, opportunity, to tackle the subject that frankly has been ignored, uh, you know, I just sort of go, "Oh, yes, please, yes." You know, hold me back. When can I start? You know, it, it is to me very exciting, and if it's a subject that's particularly tricky, as you know, this subject is, that sort of excites me more. You know, I, I want to push the envelope. I want to, uh, and when you, and you look at the caliber of the photographers that we have, you know, forty photographers, a lot of them. Uh, wildlife photographer of the year winners, well Press photo winners, you know, really proven uh, in their in their craft. You know you're going to have more, far, far more than you really need. There's not going to be any filling. Um, and as Joe said earlier, you know, it's, yeah, that there is, unfortunately, there's hundreds and hundreds of others that, uh, you know, didn't make it, not because they're not any good. It's just they just sort of didn't fit in with the flow of the book as it came together. It's a bit like doing a jigsaw puzzle in a way, um, except the pieces you have aren't already set. You make the pieces as you paint, go along and create the picture. And that means sometimes you have to choose one over the other, even though they're incredibly similar. Yeah.
0: Mm. And Joe, how did you go about finding these photographers? And did you, did you know that you needed a certain number or were you more focused on a certain number of images rather than photographers? How, how did the process work?
1: Well, that's a perfect question because had you not asked it, I would have led into that because I have spent many years watching closely the work of animal photojournalists globally and uh, taking note of their names and following their social media and squirreling away some of their strongest images into folders on my desktop here and there bit of a mess, to be honest. But um, uh, Keith mentioned that we have lots of strong photographers and award winners. But we all, what we also have in the book are photographers who have been doing really strong investigative work for a very long time, but who don't submit images to awards. And also awards are not often open to this kind of animal work. And in fact, a lot of awards explicitly exclude domestic animals. And yet they are living here on this planet, sentient beings by the billions. And we specifically exclude them. We explicitly, the awards explicitly make them, continue to make them hidden. And, and so that's why these animal photojournalists are not so much out in the world. We actually see their work in campaigns globally. But we don't see them out in the photo world, uh, you know, the awards world, and and a lot of us know each other in that in that realm. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, so
0: think- you're being you're being an in, an investigative. Uh, journalist and and detective and photojournalist, but actually you mentioned the word animal photojournalist because this is something that's I, I, I you know not a word used, but you hear it more and more these days. Um, good. So yeah, <laughs> very good. Well,
1: that is part that is part of the plan of Hidden. As I was building Hidden this year with the team and with Keith and everybody. Um. I realized that what we are doing is an emerging, emerging genre. It's not that it didn't exist before, but the team at We Animals Media and I wanted to give it a definition and and some parameters. It is similar to and has grown from other kinds of photography, like wildlife conservation, street photography, conflict photography. It has those elements, but it is something a little bit different in its newsiness and its timeliness Um, did I did I cover that, Keith?
2: I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was um, it was a real eye opener to me because you know it goes you know to that point just a minute ago that Joe said about um, you know not just well you know award winning world class photographers that are sort of familiar names to the three of us, but also working on this book introduced me to this whole community, new, a community that was new to me of um, animal photojournalists. Uh, who are, you know, many of whom are, of course, are animal activists, you know, just by that's really the, the driving force, you know, they're wanting to uh, go, go to these places and, you know, uh, and obviously just show what is going on. Um, and um, so I've, I've been introduced to, you know, a lot of new work as well in putting this book together, which is very exciting uh, and pictures that otherwise, you know, we wouldn't see so this is another part of why Hidden, I think, is so significant photographically is, yes, the, the subject it's carrying, um, covering, I should say, uh, and introducing this whole concept of animal photojournalism to a much wider audience. And, then, of course, the third thing is introducing these photographers to a much wider audience as well because they have been overlooked. And in putting this book together, you know, over this horrific year and, and, well, we started before then, obviously last year, but look what's happened. You know, we've had the Amazon fires, we've had the Australian climate fires, and now we've had COVID-19. Suddenly all these things have sort of have a link to the subject matter within this book, within Hidden, and that's made it even more important, the, the fact that you can't distinguish uh Animal photojournalism apart from wildlife photography. You can't treat them as two distinct uh, genres anymore. Uh, it all intertwines. And, uh, you know, it's this is one of the things that's come out of this year, photographically, I think. And um, yeah, I, I, there, there's no going back, put it that way.
0: No, there certainly isn't. And I think that it's all part of the sea change that's that's happening and is certainly over the last, well, eight years I've been vegan. The exponential rise is incredible. I mean, I just saw last week, a big billboard advertisement. When I was driving home the other day from Sainsbury's advertising a vegan Christmas. I mean, who would have thought that, yes. you know, <laughs> just like, you know, even just a few years ago and, you know, I don't think Sainsbury's really care too much, um, whether we're vegan or They just want to make money, right? Mm. So, you know, when, when when big organizations are getting involved, the, the shelf space is 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 changing and more and more plant-based products and the whole movement's on the rise. It's it's no wonder. And I think, yeah, it, there is no turning back. It's funny
2: you should say that, Matt. I, w- I went into my mm. – I can't remember which supermarket it was, Sainsbury's, Tesco, whatever, MS, whatever, but I went in to buy stuffing, right? All the vegetarian stuffing was gone. <laughs> all the all the meat ones are there, but all the vegetarian stuff in it's gone. I thought buggers, but hey, that's good. You know, it's um yeah, it's it's changing rapidly, which is terrific.
0: Yeah. I mean it kind of leads on to I think, you know, Joe, I'll start with you on this question. I was gonna ask it later, but this is this is the right time to ask it is what can be expected from producing a book like this because you pour your heart and soul into it you know you've been thinking about this for however many years and the working in the background squirreling away these other photographers images looking at who's doing it the amount of work is just unbelievable you know you produce this book this incredible book of course it's not going to change the world and and we can't expect it to but we excuse me (laughs) that's a massive insult yeah this is this is great you know you want the biggest book that's going to cost the most money you don't care it's definitely going to change the world joe's ego is out of control right now (laughs) of course it's going to change the world but just think for a minute that you know it's, it's probably not but it's all part of riding this this wave of of veganism of animal activism of of awareness of what's going on how do you kind of quantify maybe it's too early now to to talk about the success of this book but how you know are you hoping to kind of quantify that you know by producing such a book?
1: I guess I could get into some serious minutiae here but I'm not going to I'm just going to stick going to say that everything that my organization does is with the strategy of being one part of the piece of the puzzle uh, with regards to like changing the world and and changing things for animals. And so what we do is produce really strong photos and videos of what is and should never again be. This is one detail alongside the emerging field of animal law, which is booming, Uh, plant-based initiatives, neuroscience, journalism and the arts. Um, There are so many ways that things are changing for the better for animals. And we are one piece of that. And so We Animals Media will just continue to think strategically about how we can reach people, what kind of projects we can do, and not just the investigative work like you see in Hidden that shows what is, but stories of change and progress and hope. And so we do actually do that, too. We have um, a project called Unbound, which is about women animal advocates around the world. And we have... um, set aside a certain amount of our funding for next year to tell the stories of change and progress to inspire people we know that hidden can cause people to feel a bit of paralysis and um yeah so we we also need to do some hand-holding and some inspiring so we'll do that too did that answer your question
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it it totally did. And I think it's, you know, I don't want to challenge you, but I always, I just think, and, and what you say does come up a lot in these podcasts, you know, particularly with, you know, we, we talk about the word conservation photography a lot. And I think what I'm learning through having these conversations and not just with podcast guests, but with other photographers all the time is that photography is just one small piece. You know, filmmaking is just one small piece and collectively with, you know, good NGOs with really sound science with, um, getting this information in the right hands, you know, hopefully policy change or attitude change. Yes. It's, it's like, you know, I think you said it already. It's just one piece of the puzzle, but you have to work relentlessly at that piece to, 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 to stand out, to put your head above the parapet and say, Hey, this is what we're doing. This is really important. Look. And I, I, what I really love when you go through these first a few double page spreads in the book is, you know, that introduction that says don't turn away. I think that's so powerful. Um, and it makes you not want to turn away. You know, you want to read it. And I think going back to the book and the decisions around the text for me as a bookmaker, I'm always fascinated in that as well. And you've both written really beautiful essays. Um, and, uh, you know, the, 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 it's kind of, punctuated just enough that you're not kind of, you know, your eyes are burning from looking at all of these uh, images. Um, But yeah, the decision around that, how you decided how much text you were going to put in, who was going to write. um, And we've come this far and haven't even mentioned that you got Joaquin Phoenix to write the foreword. So you have to tell us about that scoop, please.
1: I will, but I want to shout out Keith right now. In fact, because he is the writer of the book, uh, I did write uh, an essay. But yeah, Keith, do you want oh, well, to? Oh,
2: writing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Um, well, look, first and foremost, you know, I'm a journalist, right? That that's my training, basic skill. Um, the fact that I've got into photograph writing about photography, is really just you know, how my path has, has gone, has led. Um, but, um, you know, write, writing about a completely new subject, a new experience to me is, you know, is a challenge, as much of a challenge as doing the picture editing. And, um, but I just, you know, I, I love um, really combining the two art forms in a way that you can, and sometimes you only can through a medium like a book uh, in such a substantial way. Yes, you can in some uh, magazine articles and also even online on some portfolios, but when you're putting together a book like this, it's giving you a rare opportunity to really match the words to the photography, and that, that was the thing I was conscious of all the time was matching whatever I wrote to the photography. So the writing actually was pretty much the last thing that was done, you know, much to um, the project (laughs) managers. Um, (laughs) You know, I kept getting these deadline reminders and I'm sort of thinking, well, you know, I can't start writing until I finish, you know, we've finished the picture editing (laughs) because, you know, Otherwise I'm just writing blind with that and it might not be relevant to the pictures that are finally chosen for for this
0: You get you get two for one with Keith, right? (laughs) It's a good it's a good bargain. But but,
2: (laughs) you know, that's the thing. You know, it's it's writing about photography and and and, and the story behind it. But also the other thing was, you know, in in research, you know, I had to, you know, obviously research I spent a lot of time researching these subject areas and um, because unlike Um, the photographers and Joe, this was a very, very new area for me. And I didn't want to, you know, make a fool of myself when so much (laughs) trust was being placed upon me. Um, And it was – but it's great. I I get excited about doing that. I suppose that's basic newspaper journalistic training is you you get thrown a story and you're not given much in the way of leads and you have to produce it. So you immediately have to learn – Uh, how to research and research quickly and sort out what is fundamentally important um, and and as opposed to extraneous matter. Mm. And um, so, so the pieces, what is written is, you know, they're quite short, very short, but that's, uh, but that's because it's primarily a photo book. You know, it's about the photography, but I also wanted the words to be read and, you don't want people I and mean, people's eyes glaze over if they see too much text mm-hmm. and particularly if it's got more of an academic bent. No, I just wanted to say, okay, this is what's happening. This is what it's about. So there's some, there's some pretty raw stats and, and uh, facts to support the text.
0: But- yeah. in and, and, and beautifully designed as well. You've got these breakout quotes, really bold and, and, yeah. and, and quite shocking. And when you get a but, yeah, the- top
2: photo book designer, like, david griffin working for you as well you know he's worked he's done loads of stuff for national geographic for washington post for smithsonian you know so he's got a quite a good uh list of past performances um you know he's he knows he is not is going to know what a really good picture is and and what's a good bit of copy to go with it and how it should be placed on the page so when you're aware of that sort of um, input that's coming from another direction that's highly visual in its basis, then you know you've got to really be on your game.
0: Mm. And I like what you said about about being thrown in to it, and particularly what you said earlier about the images, because and and, and loving that because I you know struggle to look through this book without these feelings of sadness and, and just are oh, the powerfulness of them and the, the hopelessness in, in, mm-hmm. in some cases, but that is quite as I feel like it's quite a strong reaction and perhaps, you know, Joe, we talked about this before having to switch off some of those emotions just for the job in hand, but this leads me back to, which we haven't talked about yet is why you, how, how you met, what did you know, Keith? Was going to be this? You're right. I'm going to go straight headfirst into this subject. I don't know it, but I'm not going to be put off by it. What was the original connection, um, and you know how you guys ended up working together on this book? And we'll come back to Joaquin later. <laughs> we we're putting him off.
1: <laughs> um, so the the origin story of, of Joe and Keith
2: um <laughs> the origin story
1: like the origin that. story so sweet <laughs> it even involved a sunset <laughs> uh no, the, the the short story is i had been brewing on this for a long time and and i uh, was a fan of photographers against wildlife crime and and keith's writing and, and what he did and so we were both at photo london together and uh, we got into the conversation about this dream and the scope that I had for this. And, um, yeah, Keith was captivated by this and we sat on the curb at sunset and dreamed really big (laughs) about what this book could be. And, uh, I don't think I had to confirm with him that he was involved. I think that was it. Wasn't it? I think we knew we were doing this project.
2: Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's sort of gone into myth now that that meeting on the steps of somerset house um
1: at least to us it feels like that to us i don't know if anyone does, else cares but we we love that story yeah
2: we do we do we we think it make a great opening scene for the film um you know and um i think you know Joe could play herself. I don't know who could play me though. I was thinking her dog, Banjo, actually. I think it was rather fetching in my in my hat.
0: Joaquin. Oh my Joaquin. gosh! Joaquin. This Joaquin. is it
1: guys, this is the movie. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, you're talking about dreaming big, right? Yeah.
1: Oh my <laughs> gosh, Actually, Keith, I think
2: Joe would love to play opposite Joaquin Phoenix. Um, yeah, Let, let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, anyway, Keith! Well, Imagine you, you, you've got to tell you got to ask the question about you know how did we get what or how did you get I should say Joaquin Phoenix to write the forward of the book because that's no main oh. achievement.
1: Oh, you know, Joaquin and I go way back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's what we, way we, we need to know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Actually, both Matt and I photographed him when he was in London for yeah. the Matter Drop with Animal Equality. Uh, I had crossed paths with Joaquin uh, three times that year, and I knew that he was aware of my work, and I, he had said that he was a fan of my work. So I thought, okay, well, that puts me in some decent standing. Let's see if he'll share his time and his name. and And he did, and he wrote a very direct and strong forward Hmm. wait a minute intro yeah forward um yeah i read that and i thought oh my gosh it's perfect i don't think i don't think we changed a thing did we keith like maybe just one word or two
2: yeah it was actually i'm I'm gonna let in a little secret here oh (laughs) no what what is published is actually the second one there was an earlier one which was much longer and um i really liked it and we were toying with the problem that yeah okay but it's more than what we asked for so it's gonna we haven't got enough space for it you know there's these are the technicalities of books isn't it um and um it was a very sort of personal um view as well but you know before we tried to um, or ha- were put in the position of oh gosh how are we going to do this he then got back through his agent to say no you know he wanted to change it and write something again which is what ended up being in the book so fortunately he solved that dilemma for us and what he wrote the second time fitted beautifully uh onto the page that we had set aside for it
0: <laughs> what a great story yeah. and um i think it yeah it's, it's it's really fitting you know and this is another thing we're talking about riding that wave you know winning oscars and using that platform to to talk about the movement is is hugely powerful so yeah this is a this is a good time. I often, you know, talk to people um older people who yeah, you know, imagine being vegan in the 80s <laughs> when you barely had like one soy milk. You just, you know, there's a guy who works for a, um uh, an organization called Foxagon. His name's Terry, he's in his 60s and he's one of those and he said that he never ever would have imagined you know, to, to be where we are right now. And that's, that's real progress and a real success. So yeah, I mean, doing what you guys have done is, I think is a, is a a huge stamp on that and a, and a, and a bigger platform. I mean, anyone who wants to do another book on animal photojournalism, my goodness, you know, the bar's set pretty high. So, um, you know, of course we want that. We don't want to put people off. We want people to, to be out there and doing that. And I know the the movement is growing, and a lot more people are doing it. Sadly, the ag gag laws are, you know, in some places getting stronger, and in un- some places, animal agriculture is in- increasing. Um, and it's it, it it is a constant battle, but we're definitely moving in the right direction, which is great news.
1: Well said. I can't add to that.
0: <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about. Well, I mean. You know, we're obviously this is a big celebration podcast of the book. And one of the things I really in, enjoyed reading were some of the quotes from some uh, of the photographers um and other people. You know, you've got some great, great testimonials from Brent Stern, from Michael Nick Nichols. Well, the one really stood out for me, and if you don't mind, I'm gonna read it. It was from um from Nick Brent. And I cause I just love it. It's just so passionate and he simply says, I am, quite simply, in awe of these photographers. In a way, they are like war photographers, except witness to a war that so many people choose to suppress that exists. This takes enormous, enormous inner strength and bloody-minded determination because they cannot save any of the animals that they photograph. They can only hope that their photos will help illuminate the mass extermination that, involves, that unfolds every second of every day across the planet. To me, they are heroes, not just for one day, but over and over again. I was like, wow, goosebumps yeah. uh, reading that. Yeah. And it's when you it, you know, you have this moment of clarity, I think, when you look through a book like this, and um there are so many different species in here of animals. There's so much, so many different uses, and and I mean the the spread at the end, um with, uh, uh, next to Martin Rowe's essay of all the kind of oh. medieval tools, yeah. you know, it's just really, really powerful. And, and, and on that, I'm, I didn't know anything about Martin Rowe and I, I, I looked him up and I was wondering, cause I really encourage people who, who haven't read the book yet, or who will now go and buy the book as a result of this podcast would, would check that essay out. Cause it's, it, it's such powerful writing. And, um, where did, where did you discover him?
1: Ah, uh, Martin is uh, the publisher. Uh, he founded Lantern Press, Lantern Publishing and Media, rather, and so he has published hundreds of books on on various topics, many of which are about animal rights and veganism. Um, and so I have worked with him since. 2013 and he very quietly continues to publish his own books uh, with beautiful writing and beautiful verse as well. He has uh, books called the Trumpiad and they are written in verse and they are just absolutely astounding and in the Trumpiad the third uh, he has a section on animals and we are actually making that into a book on its own. And it starts with the image of the man clubbing a pig, which is in hidden, and and it goes from there. And so that's a that's a book that's coming out in the spring. It's called "The Animals Are Leaving Us."
0: Oh wow! Great, something else to check out. Yeah, Yeah. nice plug. Um, Yeah, what really great, what really great writing, and you know, a, a kind of fitting, fitting way to to end the book. And it's a, it's a, it's a tough one as well, because I think another thing that I feel when I look through the images in the book is, you know, I mentioned earlier about feeling sad is that you, when you have these moments of enlightenment, you see all of this work, you just want to shout about it. And you want to go to, you know, your close friends who are not vegan and say, look, look at this, you know, do you, this is what's happening. Do you see what's going on? And of course we all know that that approach, doesn't always work. It's not always the best to get up on your soapbox and, and and wag your finger. So again, it's a it's a it's a real testament to be unflinching, but also trying to be understanding and compassionate. That not everybody can change overnight. Not everybody can be an activist. But um, yeah, I think it's something that I mean what i was going to say was about the numbers of books that you printed and 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 you know trying to get this into the hands of people that are you know you don't want to preach to the converted you know how how do you do that
1: yeah i'd love to speak about that uh printing 3000 books can only go so far if they're sitting on people's coffee tables and while we want people to purchase the book and have the book it's not always the main reason to make a book. The book in itself is a statement and is a statement that can be broadcast widely, which is why we're really pushing to have the book covered in, in major media. And so that will be ongoing. We're going to have the book at festivals. We're going to have a lot of people talking about it. And that has started and we've barely started. Uh, It shows that there there's um, that the book is timely and it's a, it's gone well so far. Eric, Eric Hiller at the Guardian called it a milestone in photojournalism, which made, made mm. me very happy and they've covered it already. They're covering it again next week. And, and, uh, so I hope that answers a little bit about, you know, the small number of books versus the the high impact that we hope to have. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's very true. Um, if I can just add to that, because, you know, I get asked that question too. And, you know, it, it's, a book is a book is more influential than the actual numbers of copies that are sold. Right? Yeah, um, it's about the discussion that it creates, you know. And you only need one person to start a discussion, um, and that's what the book is. It's sort of a catalyst for that sort of discussion. So long, and then what helps that discussion to grow and spread is obviously media pickup, and um, you know, I found. Found that out with photographers against wildlife crime. You know, it was a small print run, but by gosh, that's had a huge impact and influence. And uh, hidden already is is doing something very similar. So, okay,
0: so how many did you? Sorry, yeah. how many did you print in in the first run?
1: Uh, we printed two thousand hidden. Uh, yep. Yeah. And then we sold out really quickly to our surprise. Um, which was unfortunate. I mean, it's a great problem to have, but of Amazon course, yeah. put a big, you know, stamped out of stock on it, which is really unfortunate when in the very same week, National Geographic has talked about it in their newsletter. I know. So we reopened Indiegogo where people can continue to order the book. and
0: So people can continue to order that now. It's very yeah. important to get that clear.
1: Yes, they can. You <laughs> That's can still great. order That's the book. Great. And it's reprinting
0: uh, this week
2: so or has we're on friday so yeah it's reprinted so
1: fantastic news and uh, and so those will be people can buy it now but they'll be available end of january early february
0: that's that's great and then you talked about only only just getting going and and of course one of the difficulties now is going to photo festivals and um with everything still shut down because of covid what what are you what are you doing um i mean obviously you've got great press packs you're sending those out and have you been doing any online events that kind of thing and how long because of course you've got this release in november um and a book is hot for so long right so Mm. how are you going to maximize this this time right now
1: well i'm feeling the pressure now thanks matt
0: (laughs) (laughs) do you know what i'm saying this because i also think it's so it's so funny like creating your creating a book is so much hard work and then you get it back from the printers and you know you're checking it out the images look great you know there's no typos and then the hard work really starts because you got to get this thing out there <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, yeah so, the, true. The, so true having
1: the book having the book in your hands is not the end it's the start yeah. it's start part two 2.0 So, you know, things that will be harder with COVID, but we are pushing really hard and we have, you know, not just Keith and I, but a team behind it. Uh, We have people who really care and who are helping promote it. We also raised um, enough funding to be able to send out a number of books free to influential people. And uh, so we'll be sending 100 to 200 of those books and people are writing to us with nominations uh, about who they want to have the book. Uh, and that's a big expense like with the shipping and stuff oh my goodness sure. <laughs> like what did we really agree to this but you know it's it's really important for us to do that and uh, yeah
0: i mean you don't have to name any names are you influential people are these um also you know politicians policymakers? Yes. Exactly. Yeah, exactly yes we uh, are yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and uh influential people and journalists young people politicians uh even chefs have been nominated uh, great yeah
2: and you know we've got um we've also got uh, an exhibition um in uh in germany um which is it, the date has moved a uh, a few times because of the the situation with covid obviously but it's definitely going to happen and um basically from the middle of february until middle of april at a, a gallery in berlin and
1: they're, they're um called
2: f3 f3 that's right the f3 gallery I mean, because of COVID, it means the launch, unfortunately, will probably be a, a virtual launch, you know. But, um, you know, all the planning's being made and pictures chosen and, you know, all those technicalities with mounting an exhibition. And so that's going to be quite a big big deal uh, when that happens. And, we're, you know, we're both definitely looking forward to that. And, you know, what what and, of course, you know, there's going to be corresponding media pick-up and interest in, in Germany because of that. And, uh, you know, we've actually... You know, it looks like we've got a fair bit of German media activity already lined up to coincide with that, which is which is terrific. So it, there's all these things, but one one of the pleasing things about that is that you know we didn't approach them; they approached us exactly, and that was extraordinary. You know, that was like an email came in, and uh, and that was before we'd even printed the book. Um, it was yeah that was quite astonishing but you know we just thought wow if it's already making this sort of impact in the you know fine art uh, photography world the gallery world um yeah we must be onto something here so yeah it's that's been a, a terrific yeah, and that's the
0: that's the ultimate endorsement isn't it and yeah. i think that I, I love hearing stories like that because you, know, you listen back to the last hour of us talking the the big message well there's so many big messages but one for me is of hard work and um and long-term effort and yes strategy but you also put this stuff out there with an unknown and that is so good when you get that kind of feedback, that's not you hustling someone. It's like, Hey, look, yeah. we've, we've seen this, you know, you've done your job. You've, you, you put it out there. you I think it's always the way you've done your best. And then when you get that kind of feedback um, and those kind of opportunities, it's, it's completely with merit. So, um, yeah. Well, congratulations on that. That's great. Well, let's hope there's like more take up for exhibitions worldwide. What about Canada, Joe?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess Canada's next. First yeah. Germany, then the world, as they say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that old saying.
0: Exactly. exactly. <laughs> in,
1: in fact, uh, we did have a, the National Photography Museum of Columbia wrote to me asking if I would come and uh, spend about five days there exhibiting the work and speaking. And and I also had no idea they existed. So I think the more visibility we get, the the more this will continue and we'll certainly push it. That's the whole point of creating a project, especially a project that is meant to affect change. So,
0: exactly. Yeah, and that's and that's important as well. Obviously, you know, we've mentioned that before, but reaching new audiences and you could go on your circuit, I'm sure. And like you know, you mentioned earlier about this being the bubble in the wildlife photography awards and going to the same festivals every year. Obviously, that is important, but it's all, all always about reaching new audiences to change some hearts and minds.
1: Speaking of those awards, I was so surprised to be invited to be on the jury of uh, World Press this year. Yeah. Another
0: congratulations!
1: <laughs> Thank you. I, I I was surprised because you know I have been submitting my damn images for twenty years and not <laughs> winning. <laughs> and they're they're one of the words the awards that have said you know you can't submit images of, of domestic animals and um i think it's interesting that i'm a selection for them uh mm. in the nature category so i'm really looking forward to um to seeing what is submitted and, and being influential in that world
0: yeah and particularly with with this year of, of you know people photographing locally not being able to travel so much is going to be really interesting to see what comes out yes. um in that exhibition for sure yeah
2: definitely i mean it's a re- it's a really good move that um and i'm sure that's going to encourage a whole nother a bunch of photographers to to enter um
0: have you, have you been on that jury keith no
2: good grief no no
0: i don't know the <laughs> Why right do you people i
2: don't like that <laughs> well, i don't know the right people for <laughs> that um but um it's um yeah I, I gosh i would love to because i mean my you know at the end of the day my my first love my training is, is, you know, through is press photography and working with press photographers, you know, in my own newspaper journalistic days. Uh, but, you know, that that belongs to another era, that's for sure. Um, but, um, you know, I've done obviously, you know, my own f- a fair bit of uh, competition judging, um, you know, but primarily, you know, in Europe actually rather than here in the UK or, you know, across the pond in, in North America or my – competition judging has been um you know in, in europe uh, with the european wildlife photographer of the year and the nature photographer of the year so um i don't know maybe i appeal more to the speakers the non-english speakers than i do to the english speakers it could have something to do with my australian accent <laughs> but, um you know it's, some, it's seen as something quite um you know exotic and exciting uh, across <laughs> the channel uh where, but a real turnoff across the atlantic um We'll, yeah. I always think of <laughs> you as
1: very exotic. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> yeah, of course, absolutely. The, the, the exotic character in Wimbledon in South London. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't give the
2: rest of the address, please. But uh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Joe, what about you? I mean, obviously, your years been somewhat wiped out. Travel. I think you know when we when we spoke on the last podcast, you talked about traveling to over sixty countries and. You've been in one for the last nine months, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And how's that been for oh, you?
1: It's been a pleasure.
0: It's <laughs> been a pleasure
1: because I haven't sat still in over a decade and I keep wanting time at home. But there are just too many compelling projects. And I'm not one of these sit still type of people, but I've really needed it. And and so I'm very grateful to have had this time. Also, I'm building my organization, We Animals Media, and it's it's really important for the founder and executive director to actually be in one place for more than a week to just to help build a very solid foundation. So we've done that uh, in in many ways with contributors and donors and uh, partnerships. So it's it was a very good timing.
0: And we should also add that actually I don't think we mentioned this already that We Animals have, have published the book. So you are now a, a book publisher as well. Did you, was that the decision that was, was, uh, was, was, was made early on? Did you know that that was the way you wanted to go rather than, I mean, I know we talked about who would want to publish this book. So you just took that decision right out of right off the bat for yourself.
1: Sure did. Might regret it slightly. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Think very carefully if you want to publish your own book and this is, you know, this mention is long overdue, but Sarah Jansen is our project manager. She has so much uh, enthusiasm and energy And so, you know, Keith and I get to be on the podcast with Matt Moran and all this stuff. But like Sarah has organized everything from A to Z. And let me say that Keith and I are procrastinators. Hello. We have a lot of passion, but oh, Keith is making like a surprised face right now. (laughs) Okay, maybe not procrastinators, but we kind of get things like we work right down to the wire. Is that a nicer way of saying it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but there, there is a
2: reason for it you know, there, is, there is a reason you
1: yes. yeah. Yes. Yeah. As, as you said earlier there's a reason that the writer, writing came in right at the end there but um, Sarah kept everything on track and she, you know, Wham, We Animals Media is the publisher but it's almost like Sarah is the publisher because she has dealt with every single dollar every single person so thank you Sarah
2: yeah, Yeah, I'll, I'll second that and you know I'm, I hope she's recovered from my you know my copy um deadline uh you know procrastination as joe calls it but you know it was just no no just you know there's deadlines and there are deadlines you
0: know <laughs> <laughs> and that's and yeah. that's cool isn't it i mean this is this is a place for unsung heroes and yeah. we need these people in our lives to get organized and to, to you know we have the, the the dreams and the fantasies but yeah you need deadlines and you need spreadsheets and yeah it's great great to have someone like that yeah, I think
1: I'm going to get a, a call from Keith after this podcast <laughs> about, <laughs> about the procrastination thing.
2: What? Um, hang on. Sorry, I've lost sound. What? what was that?
1: uh, <laughs> oh, that's convenient. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. This is, turn, this is turning into a bit of a love-in here. Wets, um, I just wanted to, well, we're, we're going to slowly come to an end and ask about, well... Kind of near, medium, and and long term goals with this book. I mean, obviously, it's just started off so well, hit the ground running. Um, you're getting a second print on what's well, printing on Friday, you say. So, what's next? What's what's going to happen in 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 the beginning of of 2021 with this book?
1: More of this, more pushing, more um, letters to media to get them to cover it. Uh, more. Promotion, more promotion of the photographers. Uh, It's fantastic that this book gives them an additional opportunity to um, shout about the work and have their work visible to show that their work is important. I love that.
2: Yeah, that's definitely the way it's. um, uh, You know, I'm I'm quite excited with the fact that I'm sort of, you know, these last couple of weeks have been working on um, some actual dedicated articles uh, for photography magazines, which again, you know, would not have covered this work. And it's uh, and yeah, there, there's take up. So you know, early issues of magazines for next year, um, you are going to see some reference, not just to hidden, but also to uh, some of the photographers um, who have contributed, who who are you know who are not as well known as say Joanne or Britta Yashinsky or Paul Hilton or people like that. And that that's quite exciting for you know for me as a writer because you know I feel like the you know giving them a bit of a breakthrough into the mainstream world that really is passed them by because of the subject. And uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to not only seeing those pieces published, but to see, you know, to see and hear their reactions. Um, that's, uh, that's always a nice thing.
0: And that's great as well. Cause that's comes back to Nick Brent's quote about um, them being the heroes. Exactly. Right. The, 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 all of you that are, are going in and, and, into these places and i think you said in the first podcast this shit work and it's uh unrelenting and and that's that that really is heroic so it's great that they're yeah getting exposure through this and um well i mean i will salute you both it's just an extraordinary book and um actually you know it's it's, it's been good having you on for this podcast because it's definitely forced me to look at it in more detail than i probably would have and Uh, it's it's quite compelling photographically design wise people have to go out and buy this book and um, it's not just beautiful but it's really important i think it's a really important piece of work and um, it's you know hopefully it's going to provide a platform for more of this kind of work and um, i'm looking forward to seeing even more great press and more exhibitions and uh, you know, just continue to ride the wave with this. It's, it's, it's so good. So thank you so much guys. Well, thank what you. Great
2: job. Thank you. Thank you for your part in getting the message out there. It's terrific. And uh, exactly. we're very appreciative. Thanks
1: for, thanks for sharing this amazing platform with us to talk about this book that we are so proud of.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. It's great
1: to, great to be chatting with you again.
0: Great and it we, we we did it. I should have mentioned at the beginning this is my first podcast with two people and uh um wow. yeah this is And you chose us. This- <laughs> <laughs> you are my guinea pigs. Okay. Well. Wow. <laughs> yeah, be- and hey this is this is one of the advantages as well of uh you know the the pandemic. I was you know a, a real snob before. I used to I was only going to do interviews face to face. So good luck trying to do that during a pandemic if you want to reach a worldwide <laughs> gotcha. audience. So yeah, we got Zoom, Zencaster podcast mics. It's uh, it's 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 well, it's currently how we have to do things, but it's it's good and the point is to get these stories and messages out there. So hopefully this will reach some unconverted people to to get out there and and see this work.
2: I'm sure it will. I mean, my, my, my wish, my first wish for uh, next year is that uh, Joe and I can finally meet up uh, after publication. And actually, have a, a celebratory drink to, for the launch because <laughs> one you, know, you think you know. I think of when we launched, uh, you know, the official launch of Photographers Against Wildlife Crime, and of course, you know, it was an exhibition. There was a whole gang of us, lots of people, celebratory drinks, pictures, you know. Proper
0: law. You need that, that don't that you? You really happened. need that. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I think, it, okay, if you do do that and you're going to meet up with a bunch of people, you two have to meet first and go and have a drink outside Somerset House on the coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll probably
2: get Good it right. Idea. I'm not sure you're allowed to drink on the steps there, but. Uh... Yeah. No, I mean, it's, of course we will. Of course we will. We'll
1: when wait. they come to arrest us, we'll say, do you know who we are? <laughs> 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 <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> I was going to say hand them a book, but it's just, it's too expensive to give away. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> guys, thanks so much for coming on. And um, well, Keith, you've given up your Friday night. Joe, you're in Toronto. You got the the rest of the, the evening ahead. I hope you enjoy it. And um, we'll get this out there as far and as wide as possible. Thanks so much, you guys. Brilliant. Thank you so much,
1: Matt. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. Great to see you both.
0: Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Keith. What a great way to start 2021 with a success story. I think we need more of these this year, that's for sure. And you can help by supporting We Animals Media, who do amazing work on many fronts from now publishing books to their incredible archive of images, giving animal photojournalism a global platform. Head over to the hidden podcast page on my website for links and more info and get involved, especially all you veganurists. Such a good time to absorb and share as much information as you can to keep the momentum of this great movement driving forward. A quick personal thanks from me for all the lovely comments about the podcast throughout 2020. I have more great guests lined up for 2021, so stay tuned. Until then, have a happy new year.